Questions about the NDP's involvement arose after protesters stormed UCP leader Danielle Smith's campaign event yesterday, forcing the premier's security detail to remove her from the room until the matter was resolved. The CRTC is being accused of using liberal government talking points to defend the government's controversial online censorship law, Bill C-11. A new study reveals Canada's historic pandemic spending resulted in some of the worst results among advanced countries. Hello, Canada. It's Friday, May 12th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Rachel Emanuel. And I'm Andrew Lott. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. On Thursday, three protesters stormed United Conservative Party leader Danielle Smith's campaign event, where she was announcing another plank in her party's platform. The protesters chanted, quote, hospitals are not for sale, end quote, while holding for sale signs. One disruptor said, quote, we will not sell our arms and legs for hospitals. Hospitals should be public. Smith was removed from the room by her government security detail until the matter was resolved. After posting a series of inflammatory and factually questionable tweets about the UCP's plan to increase the use of charter surgical centers in Alberta, a policy the NDP has repeatedly described as putting Alberta hospitals up for sale, the official Twitter account for the Alberta NDP publicized the date, time, and general location of the UCP event. The Alberta NDP later issued a statement condemning the protests, but accepted no responsibility for their role in inciting them to occur. Just hours earlier, the NDP had advertised the campaign stop, posting to its nearly 50,000 Twitter followers, quote, Danielle Smith will be next door to the South Health Campus at 11 a.m. today. I asked Rachel Notley if the Alberta NDP regrets sharing the location of Danielle Smith's press conference after protesters disrupted the event. Here's what she said. Hey, Rachel Emanuel with True North. Um, I wanted to ask you about the protesters that interrupted Daniel Smith's press conference today. I know that after it happened, the Alberta NDP issued a tweet saying they condemned the protests. Elections is about time of reading voters. However, prior to that event, the Alberta NDP had also tweeted the location of Daniel Smith's. They had also tweeted Daniel Smith's location and where her event would be. Do you have any regrets about doing that? Do you think that was a mistake and actually might have led to the protests occurring? Uh, no, because my understanding is that the UCP had also uh, tweeted the location of the press conference, um, and uh, that's actually where we got the information from. So uh, it's quite common for uh, press events to be uh, uh, described uh, publicly about where they are. But let me say that, uh, once again, uh, I don't support that kind of intervention in um, a public event that's designed to deliver a message to voters. Uh, whether you agree or don't agree, uh, our elections and our democratic process is sacred and people need to be able to uh, speak to voters uh, without fear, uh, fear of intimidation or, or um, any kinds of threats like that. So I definitely uh, do not uh, support or endorse uh, what happened. However, a source in the UCP war room later confirmed to me that that was false. The party never tweeted the location of Danielle Smith's campaign stop. Andrew, 
the Alberta election campaign is turning into maybe a little bit of a goofy campaign. This was one of the sillier things that happened. The protest itself was kind of hilarious, a little awkward. These three people stormed the room and after chanting for a couple minutes, everyone just sort of stood there awkwardly looking at each other. The protesters weren't sure to keep going. I think it maybe fell a little bit flat and everyone in the room was kind of just waiting for them to leave. Um, the one protester even had a really short shirt on I think you might have noticed that too and you could like see his whole belly hanging out and his butt crack it was like super awkward super hilarious just like such a goofy thing to have happened what do you make of this incident do you think the NDP should have taken responsibility for it well I think that they should be able to answer the question of of why you know maybe you didn't mean to egg on the protesters you say but what purpose did it serve to tweet the time and location of the press conference if not to encourage people to show up so I, I guess that's the thing. And and you tried to get an answer out of Rachel Notley, and I think you did a formidable job, although you didn't really get one in the sense that uh, there's no excuse for it that isn't this exact thing happening. So I think it does ring hollow when the NDP turns around and says, we condemn this sort of thing. It's like, well, what did you want to happen and what did you think would happen? Well, exactly. And then just sort of the outright lie from Rachel Nolly saying the UCP tweeted the event and the UCP said, no, we never tweeted the event. The other huge irony here is that parties are usually pretty careful with the location of their campaign stops so that stuff like this doesn't happen. In fact, we have an incredibly hard time finding the location of Alberta NDP events. They won't send them to us because they don't want independent media showing up at their events. They also don't send them to Rebel News, the Counter Signal or the Western Standard. Fortunately, there are operatives who send us the location. We're able to attend these events. But for the two Alberta NDP events I have been to, they actually changed the location last minute. And some of us in independent media are starting to think that it's very intentional to avoid us from showing up and asking our questions. So it is quite funny that the Alberta NDP are going to excessive lengths, even changing the location of their events to avoid having people that they don't want to come show up, even though we're media and not protesters. And yet they have no problem publicizing the actual premier's location. Yes, I remember during the last federal election, there was a, a point at which Justin Trudeau would barely even give the city. I mean, sometimes it was just a region because they were trying to avoid people showing up and protesting as public events in that case. And uh, in this particular context, we don't have these mass mobs of protesters that are following around either of the major party leaders here. But I do think it is uh, worth noting that if you are going to have public events, you have to be prepared to withstand the uh, risk of these things happening. And if you're going to have private events, I think all parties should kind of respect that and say that, okay, if we're going to condemn this sort of disruption, we're not going to do anything to egg on our opponent's opponents. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. A page on the CRTC website which aims to debunk, quote, myths about Bill C-11, the government's controversial and newly passed online censorship and regulation bill, has drawn criticism for parroting liberal government talking points. Bill C-11 gives the CRTC the power to regulate online content posted by Canadians, just as it regulates traditional radio and television broadcasting. 
According to one digital advocate, Scott Benzie of Digital First, the CRTC's website looks like it was written by Heritage Minister Pablo Rodriguez. Uh, Scott Benzie said, quote, the myth and fact sheet might as well have been written by the minister. They are supposed to wait for the policy direction, but they haven't done that, which makes me feel that decisions have been made. They haven't heard any evidence and they already made up their minds. Bill C-11 was passed last month in spite of a wave of concerns, not just from conservatives, that it was an affront to free speech, that it extended government control over large amounts of online content, including just personal home videos and photos taken by Canadians. But the CRTC's Myths and Facts about Bill C-11 page says the bill would do no such thing. It's only focused on regulating broadcasters. The key question there is how do they define broadcaster? The CRTC's own assertions here, I should point out, were contradicted last year by testimony from its former chair, who said that, yes, the bill would extend the CRTC's regulatory powers to user-uploaded content. And I should just say by way of context here, the law itself has passed but the regulations that really govern what this is going to look like are still going to be worked out and are supposed to be things that follow public consultation by uh, the CRTC with stakeholders, with Canadians and, and with government. But I think the point being raised here by Scott Benzie looks like it has merit, which is that they're already skipping past that and have decided the outcome long before they're supposed to have arrived at it. We're looking at the same problem with this legislation that we've been talking about the whole time, which is that the government has really left it up to the CRTC to decide what these regulations are going to look like, and in fact, even what a broadcaster is. So that's really problematic. The reason that we have MPs in the House of Commons, the reason we have this whole government system, is so that they can create legislation. And here they are, they've passed this extremely broad, vague piece of legislation that nobody actually knows what it's going to do until the CRTC comes down with its regulations. So here, when the CRTC is repeating government talking points, as critics are arguing, I'm not really that interested in listening to that. I want to see what the actual legislation is going to do. It's ridiculous that we've passed this bill without knowing what it's going to do. So stop trying to reassure Canadians and just actually tell us what is this going to do? What exactly is it going to look like? Well, I, I mean, look, I think you raise a valid point there. The reason the government has been so wishy-washy on this is because they're being uh, barraged by criticisms from all angles. And anytime they are giving us a, a rare glimpse of honesty, that triggers an amount of backlash and they have to say, okay, no, 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 it was either misunderstood or we have to go back to the drawing board. And I think at a certain point, the CRTC's regulatory process can't save what is a fundamentally flawed bill to begin with. A new study has found that although the Canadian government had some of the highest government spending on stimulus programs during the COVID-19 pandemic, they achieved some of the worst results among advanced countries. According to the Fraser Institute study titled Global Aftermath, the economic and fiscal effects of COVID in Canada and the world, despite raising its government spending and debt accumulation more than most other advanced countries, Canada's economy fared relatively poorly during the pandemic. In 2020, Canada placed fifth out of 40 industrialized countries in growing government spending as a proportion of its economy. At the same time, between 2019 and 2021, it ranked third in elevating its total debt-to-GDP ratio which shows that Canada built up debt faster than its competitors. Researchers also found that Canada was mid-ranked when it came to inflation in comparison to the other IMF advanced economies. 
Andrew, to me, this study and this article is kind of proving what we all already knew. Canada had terrible outcomes during the COVID-19 pandemic. We spent money on everything under the sun. And yet here we are and we can all see the evidence of an economy that's suffering, of a nation that's suffering under the weight of this excessive inflation that we just can't seem to get a hold of. I would agree. And I, I also think it tells us that the government was not spending these billions and billions of dollars in pandemic funds in the targeted and responsible way they were pretending. And I think it, it was very much the case that they saw COVID as an opportunity to kind of bury and hide spending that they wanted to do anyway, that had nothing to do with pandemic relief or targeted relief or healthcare capacity, and had everything to do with just big government ambitions. And uh, this is, I think, proof of that, that we have more money spent in Canada than in many other countries uh, per capita, but uh, less in the way of outcomes. You're absolutely right about that. I think anytime there's a massive amount of government spending rushing out the door without a level of scrutiny, we all have cause to be concerned. And that was certainly the case during spending in the COVID-19 pandemic when the government basically said, we're going to give this emergency funding to any businesses and we're going to check later on to see if approved businesses actually got the funding that was necessary. I was even hearing stories of people that aren't Canadian citizens but were living in the country up in Banff at the time that were able to collect some of these relief programs. So it seemed like we were giving money to everything and everyone under the sun. And now here we are, you know, a year later, and we're still trying to bail ourselves out of this absolute disaster. And there's really no end in sight. Yeah. And just to reduce things down to consumer terms here, you can blow $10,000 on a credit card very easily, but it's going to take a lot longer to repay that. And I think Canada is dealing with right now the consequences of a debt and deficit crunch that will take years and years to resolve. And, and right now, it, it doesn't escape me that there's no end in sight. The government has provided in its budget no target, realistic or even otherwise, to get back to a balanced budget and, and start chipping away at some of this massive debt. So we're in for a rough ride. Well, on that positive note, that's it for today. And don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend.